This is episode 156. And I want to start by saying thank you to all of you who send me uh, messages and feedback. And it turns out you enjoy these uh, conversations on the podcast, conversations on the complex uh, and often controversial, may I add, unnecessarily controversial in many cases, subjects, and that you learn from uh, the podcast. And man, this is the best feedback I can get because this is what I do this. I learn from discussions with the experts and with the guests um, I have here on the podcast. And then I publish those conversations so you can learn from them too. And, you know, messages saying that, yeah, I always learn something from your podcast. This is the best feedback uh, I can get. So I really appreciate that. And if you want to send me a feedback, uh, well, obviously you can rate the podcast, give me five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. But if you want to be more specific, you can always leave the comment under the video on YouTube because the podcast is in a full video version on YouTube. So leave the comment there. Or you can subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the description of the show. Subscribe to the newsletter. And then once you receive the email, just hit reply. And that email will get straight to my inbox. And I am striving to reply to all those emails. Uh, maybe not immediately, but within 24 hours, you should get a response from me. So uh, that's the best way to get in touch. So thanks for doing it. And yeah, do just just go and do it. Yeah, subscribe to the newsletter and send me an email. Now, in this episode, our guest is Phil Sturgeon. Phil is an ex-techie and a founder of Protect Earth Charity. That charity is dedicated to creation and restoration of woodland. And the reason we have this episode specifically is because Phil has a crowdfunder going to save Blacksworth Road wood in Bristol. And the deal is that there is like this this wood in the middle of Bristol and it is up for sale. And if it's going to be sold, then likely it's going to be cut down and that land will be used for development or something like that. So if that's all you need to know, then go to the description of the show and there's a link to the fundraiser. Uh, Click in there and contribute to um, saving this wood. However, if you want to know a little bit more before you part your ways with your 20, 40, 60, 100 quid even, then listen to this show. Because this is where we start. We talk about the whole crowdfunder. We talk about this Blacksworth Road wood, also known as Cruise Hall. Uh, and why it is important to buy this land and what Phil and his charity intends to do with it. Later on in the conversation, we're taking broader view and we talk in general, you know, why Phil decided to start this charity and how they go about uh, what they do, how they identify land to create a woodland and how they manage it and all those things. This is very interesting. We also discuss the negative feedback he's getting, because believe it or not, uh, you can get negative feedback if you're planting trees, because there are people who think like, oh, you're planting trees everywhere. Turns out there are ways of doing it wrong. And we talk with Phil about that. And more importantly, we talk about that what he and his charity do to do this properly uh, and not make all the mistakes that some people might make when they try to create a woodland. So as always, you will learn a lot of things from this episode. And if you like what Phil does, again, just go to the link in the description, click on the crowdfunder and give it a few quid uh, for the cause. So that's it for this introduction. And now, ladies and gentlemen, 
Without any further delay, Phil Sturgeon, protect Earth and save Blacksworth Road Wood in Bristol. Phil, welcome to the show. I have uh, 101 things to ask you about. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm excited to talk to you as well. We've been uh, you know, chatting and occasionally arguing on Twitter for a while now, so it's good to, good to meet and have a chat. Uh, excellent. Listen, man, uh, so like I said, there's many things I want to talk to you, but let's start with the you know, first things first. You have a crowdfunder going to save Blacksworth Road Wood known as the crew cruise hole did i did i get that right <laughs> yeah cruise hole is a funny sounding part of east bristol it's on the river avon so um blacksworth road wood is a bit of a mouthful and most people don't know about this woodland it's kind of closed off um it's you know um it's no public access uh and there's a there's another woodland nearby called cruise hole woodland so there's enough confusion about which woodland is which that when I went to go and have a look at Blacksworth Road Wood, I ended up in Cruise Hole Woodland taking photographs of the wrong place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a five-acre woodland in East Bristol, and um, it has potential for rural uh, residential development, um, which means somebody might try and buy it. And well, I already know of people that are trying to buy it to put houses in there, so. Okay. I tried to stop. So that that's uh, so. This is what I'm going going to ask. Like, what's the safe part, right? Because some you often use like, I'll save this and save that, and then you wonder, like, oh, is it like, is it in any danger? Yeah. So if you can lay it out, you know, again, uh, in in detail, so people, so you basically worry that stuff gonna be, get this is gonna get bought for development, all the trees cut down and and stuff like that, and that's why you have a crowdfunder, yeah, to purchase that. And, and then what? So, you know, like if you can... Oh, and obviously for, for all the people who are listening to this and the regular listeners, or just listeners to the podcast, the link to the crowdfunder is in the description of the show. So go in there, click the link and, and donate uh, for the cause. And now I feel going to lay it out to us. Like, what is the cause? Yeah, the basically it's, it always feels a bit hard to establish what the real threat is for these crowdfunders, right? I've been involved in a crowdfunder before where some of the people that were trying to bid um bid for that woodland some of them were in into conservation some of them are just retirees that want somewhere nice to hang out um and some of them wanted to uh cut everything down and set up for firewood some people wanted to set up a a, a dirt bike track in there you know i mean there's there's always these different um these different interests and and you know it's very difficult to say what's good and bad and and what's realistic maybe those people don't actually have the money and they're just kind of throwing ideas around or talking it up at the pub but um i i already know of a few people interested in trying to buy this for houses a lot of people have been getting in touch with me saying you know i would love to save this woodland and my approach to saving the woodland would be by putting just one or two houses in there or like you know well maybe six it depends how the finances work out and you're like that that doesn't sound like saving the woodland though, does it? Um, <laughs> and so it's a really weird place. Like I, I was lucky enough to get a tour um, by, uh, by one of the neighbors. It's the only way to get in there is like through their garden. It's super weird. Um, 
and and this specific woodland is is such a weird um, idiosyncrasy of just complicated emotions where um, it was like beautiful and and tragic and and like mystical and just knackered, and it was basically full of fly tipping um, from from decades worth of not just neglect but mismanagement. Um, there's uh, there's invasive species starting to you know encroach and really take hold. Um, there's buddleia everywhere because it's Bristol. Um, and there's, yeah, there's like there's old tires. There's, um, I think asbestos, um, there's, um, there's like old fridges and some headstones from the neighboring cemetery, but then there's these massive veteran oaks and hazels bigger than anything I've ever seen. Like I thought they were oaks for a minute that massive, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and there's just like a plethora of amazing species and, and rare bats, um, and, and deer and foxes in in the middle of Bristol, it's this wildlife haven in the middle of Bristol, um, where e- even just around the corner at Cruise Hall Woodland and um, and Troopers Hill, right next to it, there's there's so much more like foot traffic there that there's not quite such a, a reservoir of, of well protected um, uh, nature. Like you want to have public access, you want to have nature. Sometimes some areas will lean more towards one or the other, um, and so this has been completely closed off. And there's just amazing wildlife happening there, growing through all of this like nasty derelict human trash and um so it's just such a weird like emotional thing to go and to go and see that that scale of potential and and honestly like if someone if someone buys that woodland in the past it had planning permission back in the 90s somewhere it had uh, planning permission approved and it seems like they forgot because in 96 they asked for an extension they were like, no sorry like ah damn it and there's been attempts since then to try and to try and build more more houses and more flats and they've always been turned down, um, but now it's received like SNCI status, so it's a, a proper conservation area. But there's various different sites in Bristol where even the council themselves are trying to build on SNCI. So that feels like SNCI alone isn't enough to provide any sort of protection and stop this new landowner, whoever it may be, from doing something bad. So we know that no other conservation groups are interested in buying it because I asked them. <laughs> and the ones that are interested are supporting us. We're working together to make this happen. Um, the ones that aren't interested, various di- reasons, including assuming SNCI will cover it, but we don't agree with that. Um, and uh, how big is it? With how big is the area? It's only four and a half acres, so it's tiny. Um, but in the middle of Bristol, that's massive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the, the 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 possible outcomes from someone else getting it range from another 25 years of neglect while while people you know try and get the paperwork for planning permission approved and don't get anywhere and then eventually they flip it again um or that's the best case scenario is neglect and being completely overrun by by invasive species and slowly destroyed the the worst case scenario is that someone gets it and and tries to get planning permission cuts down a bunch of trees tries to you know increase access somehow there's not really any road access muck around trying to 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 explore the idea of developing on it and then get shot down or maybe you know a really unlikely uh, unlikely scenario is somehow the laws change and they somehow get permission to actually do this but all of the options are bad (laughs) and so if we just buy it we can stop all of that and not only can we get rid of the invasives and spend months cleaning up all of the rubbish with volunteers and contractors um but we can actually start to do a little bit of species reintroduction because there's there's quite a limited number of species that, that are there um, of trees, um, and uh, and start to improve the biodiversity and and effectiveness of the habitat instead of letting it just languish 
Yeah. So you you already you already covered my next question, which is like, what what would you do if, if you're if you're successful if that if that uh, crowdfunder is successful? So basically, you're looking at the restoration of that woodland and uh, um, fixing what's uh, what's not you know what's bad. Um, throughout the this whole thing, you're using you're saying we. So and you know who are we and what is the 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 charity uh, that we're talking about? Here? I in a, in a previous life I worked for WeWork far too long. I just say we all the time, all the time. It's baked into me. Um, yeah. I know it's like <laughs> we. Who's we? We is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, working for WeWork, you just have to say like that's you, you say the word we a lot because you're like that's not very we of you if you're not acting like a part of a team. It's madness. Um, <laughs> but currently, uh, we means protect Earth. It's a charity that we set up. Um, about three years ago, and uh, we started off working with landowners and farmers kind of planting unused, awkward, boggy, hilly, degraded bits of their farm that they're not particularly interested in, or putting in shelter belts and hedgerows to help improve the productivity of the farm. Um, and slowly we've been kind of increasing our scale at which we operate, and we've bought we've bought land down in uh, a 64-acre ancient woodland down in Cornwall, and um we've got about 100 acres of you know marginal grazing land in wales that we're slowly restoring um and and so yeah we're a charity who's trying to combine natural solutions to the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis all at the same time yeah for this is this is fantastic how long you're you're doing this uh about three years okay okay so how does it typically uh plays out when you're you're uh, you try to identify a uh, piece of land like the one that we're talking about here or you know like the ones that you mentioned uh earlier you do like a research work on i don't know google maps or like you have your <laughs> things to find out yeah, where yeah. it is and then you're launching crowdfunders to basically purchase the land and do that restoration work this is that how it works myriad of ways i mean the the story of highwood was amazing um i know guy shrub soul was a controversial character but he wrote about the uh the whole thing in his book uh the lost rainforests of britain and he was instrumental in making it happen so highwood is our ancient woodland down in cornwall and there was um he, he was basically tweeting i was doom scrolling late at night just looking through twitter long after i should have stopped looking um and uh or i should say x now and uh, yeah, I just saw this tweet being like, here's this amazing woodland. It's been, you know, completely replaced with conifers since the sixties or whenever. And, um, it's, it's completely degraded, but it has so much potential. If only someone good could get it, they could do the work to restore it. And I said, I'd love to, we've only got a quarter of the money that would be needed, but I'd love to manage that woodland. And then somebody else says, I've got all the money, but managing a woodland sounds like hard work. If you find someone to manage it, I'll pay for it. And that was just magic. That was the first and the easiest. And, um, you know, we've we've got a land fund where people donate and we keep an eye out for appropriate bits of land all over the place. But um, sometimes opportunities fall on our lap. Sometimes we have to go looking. And uh, again, combining my previous experience in tech, we've, we've got some volunteers who have set up like a little Python script that can poll all the various different online websites. And like, it's really silly. But yeah, they, they, they poll various websites every now and then and look for land that matches our criteria based on size or like price per acre or regions or whatever. These criteria change all the time as different people, you know, get involved. And sometimes people say, I want some help buying some land. Can you help me? And we're like, yeah, sure. We'll put your criteria into our script. And we can kind of suggest to you, hey, this looks like a good bit of land for you to buy. And then we'll reforest it when it's done. Or, you know, we'll get it. No one's interested and we can reforest it or whatever needs doing, rewet the peat, you know, all the things. Um 
yeah, so a bunch of different ways these things happen. And then this one, I think I've got a bit of a reputation as like saver of woodlands now after Highwood, because I was just, again, through through Twitter, um, somebody saw a news post about the council saying they weren't interested in buying this bit of woodland that was going to get developed on in the middle of Bristol. And someone just goes, uh, Phil, you're from Bristol. Have you seen this? And I was, I replied with various words that were all four characters long and, uh, <laughs> and then eventually calmed down and put together a plan. So, uh, yeah, this one was a little bit, a bit closer to home than some of the rest uh, of it. This is a, this is good. And do that, all that work that you do is, this is how you get people. Is it the volunteers? Does it literally have like a team of, you know, people who are with you for, for a long time, or you just try to recruit volunteers every single time? Because I mean, like, this is not a small undertaking to manage no. various, you know, woodlands across the country. And like you said, there is a work to, to be done there. So I, I'm just wondering, like, how do you, how do you manage this, this whole, you know, project yeah. or several projects actually? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we've got 50 different um, farms that we've planted trees on. and 50? 50. And 50 um, farms, wedding venues, the side of a motorway somewhere, which was awful to plant because trucks are loud and close. Um, but just all sorts of random stuff that we've planted. And um, yeah, basically, and, and you know, there's wildflower meadows and things like that. But when it's a landowner project is what we call somebody else's land. Um, they're often a lot more involved. More or less, it depends. Sometimes people um are you know older or or less less able um so i'll you know if if a strong wind comes through and knocks over a bunch of tree guards then i'll just swing by and do it for them because they've got a busted knee um but a lot of the time there's other like local community or climate groups that are willing to do some of the ongoing maintenance or the farmers are more than happy and capable of doing it themselves they just needed help getting the stuff in in the first place so um with the landowner projects it's a real mix uh when it's when it's our sites, um, for example, Highwood, there's a lot of conifers there that need to be thinned. Um, we're not doing any more clear cutting; that's super destructive in, there in the past. Um, but we do do thinning to get some of the conifers out, improve the light into the soil, allow it for natural regeneration. I was down there yesterday, and there's little oaks that have turned up growing out of the piles of wood chip that I made when I was clearing some deadwood brush. So that's really really cute. I'm my little guy. I'm going to go and like check up on that every time I'm there. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we're actually taking timber out of that woodland. And so that is worth money. And we can hire a site manager who is a local chap who has been walking in those woodlands, um, doing like catapult um, training, which is super cute. He's just like the plinking, he calls it. Um, but he's been hanging out in those woodlands for decades. And he knows every single trail. He knew some trails that I didn't know about and was showing me around my woods the year after we got it. Um, and so he's been volunteering there for ages and we're just like, well, it makes sense to hire you. We've got money from the timber. So we're given, you know, we can hire you to, to look after this place. Um, and then the money's going straight back into the community, you know? So, um, it, it's a whole mix, uh, of, of just random volunteers or random tough word, but yeah, like people sign up on the website for specific events. They're on Eventbrite. So sometimes they find us through Eventbrite, don't know who Protect Earth is, but then they come back to do more. Um, sometimes, you know, friends and family of the farmers, um, we have corporate volunteers, which is fun. Lots of interest near London, not so much further away, which is difficult because we don't do much planting near London, but if I can get some people on a train, we can go and reforest the Cotswolds or wherever else. Um, and the corporate volunteers are great because they pay, um, they pay us to do our work for us. And then we can use some of that money to go and pay a team of contractors to finish the job. Um, 
And so this so is we, like their their sort of like a team building exercise. Yeah, exactly. For the ah, I got they you, get got to you. fly a drone. So around they're not really they volunteers, s- are they? They're just like <laughs> they 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 have a, like a day out of office day to just yeah. integrate the team so you can all reach your goals. Exactly. Goals. Sometimes things have multiple reasons. Um, but yeah, like there was one group that just kind of turned up an hour late, spent about an hour eating pastries, did about an hour's work, and went off for an hour long lunch. But hey, it's all helpful. Um, and we do QA to make sure their work is good, but then also, so you want to balance, like we're trying to balance the fact that we want to give money to people that work in the industry. We want tree planters and foresters to get their money. Um, but we also are trying to pick up jobs that otherwise would not have got done. And that means trying to find alternative, um, labor, alternative funding and alternative things. Cause that job just wasn't going to happen. Um, so we managed to get, you know, money to plant trees from, not government grants and, and from you know companies that want to help and we've managed to find volunteers out of nowhere to do work that wouldn't have got done so when there's money and grants we give that to the professionals to keep them supported and when there's not we get other people and then just do really good qa work to make sure they're they're not planting them upside down or i did have one chap <laughs> i had one chap just kind of like put the stake in put the put the guard on the stake and then just kind of parachute the tree down the top of the tube and i was like that's not quite how I, it's okay. These things happen. <laughs> so you got to keep an eye on volunteers, but that's fine. They're not professionals. So we yeah. like to use that mixture of people. So you already kind of answered again, my question, which was like, you're, you have it like ecologists or foresters involved as well, as well. If there is a work like you're, you, I presume you go in and, and assess the thing and you say like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen here or what should happen here. And then yeah. you hire like a, um, you know, environmental assessment or stuff like that. Absolutely. We we got a little bit burned in the first place using um, kind of third party ecologists and other expert advisors. We we just kind of couldn't. They kept making mistakes. Like somebody submitted it to Gloucester uh, Gloucestershire instead of South Gloucestershire, and then we you know didn't get the EIA approved, um, the Environmental Impact Assessment approved. So just there's just so many mistakes when you work with freelancers who are very expensive. So we have hired somebody we've been working with. Um, we found one contractor who was amazing and we hired him as the first employee um, or as the first uh, team member. And he has been amazing. Um, basically, like a combination of, uh, he's an ecologist. I call him Steve the Ecologist. He's not on Twitter. He barely knows what, knows what a smartphone is. We forced him to get a smartphone for the charity and he was very against it. Uh, <laughs> but um, he's this amazing guy and he has worked for various wildlife trusts and for the RSPB. Um, strong interest in birds, but you know, really good at, at forestry and, and, and forest ecology. And so generally speaking, any project that we're even considering, whether we're buying it or working with a landowner, um, desk-based search first. You look at Magic Map or thelandapp.com, absolutely fantastic. Not paid to say that. They're really cool. They It's like a map where you can kind of put loads of different layers on and find out like, oh, there's ancient woodland there. There's a triple SI there. There's, you know, this, that, and the other. This is prior- priority habitat, inventory, grassland. You shouldn't plant anything there. So step one is we look for loads of reasons why we shouldn't do it, which is very different from the narrative you get fed in the media of just like, these gung-ho tree planters are trying to whack trees in everywhere. They want to put them in grasslands and all this nonsense. But step one is look for reasons why you shouldn't do it. And then if it all seems fine, then Steve will pop down, have a look, um, and, and, and just really confirm on the ground that everything is as okay as we hope. And uh, you're looking for badges, you're looking for birds and, and signs of nests and all of that stuff. 
And then if that's all good, then yeah, we, we start making a plan and submit an environmental impact assessment with the government if we need to, apply for grants if they're available and relevant and necessary, um, do the whole do the whole thing. But I always basically say the ecologists are in charge. It's it's the rest of the charity's job to like enable them to find them the land and the opportunities and the money to do their work. But whatever the ecologists want to do, like that's what we want to do. And your focus, I presume, on the on the uh, planting woodlands and 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 trees. Your your are you looking also at the habitat, at the birds' habitat and stuff like that, creation of habitat, yeah. or are you focusing on only on on tree planting? Yeah. Well, so as we're focused on trying to balance the uh, fight against the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis, we strongly oppose any solution that would knacker the other. Um, we're trying to always do both. Which is a really interesting um, mixture. I've heard about like conservation groups that are pulling out invasive species, and they just like m put a, a giant old tractor tire on fire with some petrol and start throwing all of the invasive species on that to get rid of it. I'm like, that might be helping the biodiversity crisis. That's not helping the climate crisis. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> so we will only do things that are beneficial for for both. And so our new site, um, Goitri Woods in Loini, uh, it's in Powys, um, and basically we were looking at. There's, there's 20, acres, 20 acres of existing woodland that is currently being grazed and, and it's a very funny aging out woodland with no new growth. Um, so we're kind of just leaving that alone. Um, and then there was 50 acres of open open field that, that theoretically could have been planted through some combination of natural regeneration and, and tree planting. Um, but we found a bunch of, off the top of my head, there's a few different species and I think it's curlews and or skylarks, don't remember. But there's a whole patch where it just wouldn't be beneficial for the birds if we planted. And there's another side, which is um, priority habitat inventory grassland, uh, which we knew going in. But, you know, um, so basically of the 50 acres that we could theoretically plant and might even get approved if we tried, we're only doing 25 so we can avoid the grassland and avoid the, the, the bird areas. Um, and again, that's not the narrative that you get fed in the social media and in the newspapers where everyone's just madly trying to plant as much as they can to get their numbers up like i wouldn't mind getting getting the tree counter up by another whatever twelve thousand trees that's cool i guess but only if you care about metrics and not the actual outcome which is trying to solve the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis why are you trying to make a number on a website go up for for backpacks that's yeah that's helpful. a very that's a very good point that's a very good point uh metrics uh, care about the metrics not the outcome um, how, what was the idea? Like, how did you started on this path? So what was like, what led you to, to start this charity? Because I presume you are, you're a founder of this charity. So how, how this came to be? Uh, long or short answer? Cause it's long, of course. Wild. It's a long um, form podcast. So like, <laughs> okay. Well, um, I had been working in the States for eight years. And one of the things I liked the most about living in New York was that growing up, all of the natural spaces I knew had been to, you know, all of the green belt and every, all of the hiking trails and everything, all of the fields have become car dependent housing, dual carriageways, shopping malls, Costa coffees, just a mess. And, you know, these things happen, but some of it's been nonsense. And so even when I was like 20 years old, I felt, I found myself saying like, I remember when this was all fields, like, you know, which is something you expect to be hearing from someone who's 80. Um, and it just has been pretty brutal seeing like everywhere you love slowly get completely tarmacked. And one of the things I loved most about being in America was just kind of everything was already tarmac. 
so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> like you're in New York and they're like, ah, there's one tree there. That's the tree. Cool tree. Never mind. Off to work. <laughs> so um, for a while it seemed okay. Um, but then after America, I kind of, um, it was 2019, I, I, I left the States and didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. And I ended up cycling around Europe for a while. Um, and I cycled from Spain to Albania, um, up around the Baltic uh, coast and um, ended up kind of down in Morocco. I went all over the place. It was like 32 countries in 18 months or something. I was just going mad. And I saw loads of amazing things, but I, I firsthand witnessed how absolutely horrendous the climate crisis was in a lot of different places. And where, you know, it's, it's that same feeling that we're all starting to get now, where it's obviously here. It's not some theoretical in a few years. It's not just a bit warm. It's everything is on fire and underwater. Like in England, it, it took a little bit longer to get here, but it's been like that further south for quite some time. Um, and I saw, yeah, like entire mountain ranges, like the Tatras Mountains, um, had, had had a storm come through and knocked down half of their trees. And then, um, you know, pine beetle moves in and, and explodes in population and takes down most of the rest of it. And then wildfire comes through and kills off anything that was surviving. Um, and so the entire mountains just lost all of its, all of its trees and people in the UK will squabble and say, you can't build an electric railway if it cuts down a couple of trees. Meanwhile, like infinitely more than that is getting completely demolished by just the climate crisis that we're not doing anywhere near enough to solve. And so, yeah, I saw fires, floods famine um in 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 morocco it's the middle of winter and they've got absolutely no snow in their mountains when they normally do and their rivers are already completely dried out um and there's just you know dead livestock all over the side of the river um so everything was pretty bleak and i got back to the uk and realized we have even less space for nature than many of those other countries um and started wanting to do something about it and the whole time I'd been cycling around Europe, I'd been raising money for trees. Um, I got to like 100,000 trees through the Ecology with an I, ecology.com, um, a really cool fundraising platform to help you plant trees and do useful things and carbon offsets a bit, whatever, that's a whole other topic. Um, but I was planting a lot of trees through doing silly things. Uh, any act of kindness that someone gave me, if they um, bought me a lemonade on a hot day, I would figure out how much that was in trees and put that many trees into my profile. If someone let me stay on their sofa or stay in their house or give me a lift or fix my broken bike or whatever happened, um, I would put that into trees and, and other people would put it into trees. And I'd say things like, um, if you, uh, if you get me another thousand trees today, I'll go and I'll go and wild camp in this area that's full of wolves and people would put a thousand trees in. I'm like, ah, damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh yeah i just became kind of addicted to to trying to plant as many trees as possible online which kind of felt okay but i was you know wanting to get my hands dirty a bit more and when i came back from so i was been i'd been cycling around morocco and i just cycled back through um through uh, spain and france and um got off uh got off the ferry in the uk to to cycle back to near bristol where my folks are and and while I was on the ferry was when like the news about COVID kind of really hitting the UK and I was like, hey, hey, oh no, I must have COVID. And I ended up checking into uh, Airbnb in Bristol near, um, near my folks or out in the countryside. And um, it was this amazing, huge farm, um, 460 acres, huge to me, not huge to some people, but 60 acres of ancient woodland that was beautiful. 
Um, and because lockdown happened while I was staying on that Airbnb for a week, it ended up being about four months. Because uh, they were like, you need to stay in your house. And I was like, I don't have one. I live on a bicycle with a tent. Like, I, I can't. What do I do? And so the farm just said, hey, stay here. Um, we can't Airbnb this out anyway. You might as well stay here. And um, yeah, learn to hunt, learn to fish, learn to like really connect with nature in a way that most people don't get because they're channeled into these really narrow little footpaths and shoved off into the corner. Um, and And just like hung out in nature. And it was so cool to see kind of land changing over time and and you know i've gone back to visit a bunch of times and stayed there months at a time here and there and um while i was there they were talking about wanting to reforest and i was like you know they've got a few fields they're not using they've got a few bits a few corners um their tractor can't get up and they was they were saying we've looked into planting trees it's really hard and i was like how hard can it really be and then very quickly found out it's almost bloody impossible like everything is working against you um, the, the grants take forever if you can even find out how to apply for them. Any information you find online is a year old and it's already out of date. The people that know how this stuff works are prohibitively expensive. You've got to pay £250 an hour like they're, a, like they're a, a divorce lawyer or something. Like You pay so much money to try and do the right thing that so many of these landowners are thinking, like, I'm already giving up land. I could try and find a way to monetize that, but I've decided I would like to plant some trees on it. But the government has said that it's it's too narrow. It has to be 50 meters wide to be a woodland, or we want to build a shelter belt that you know we want to do five meters and it has to be 10, or like this is too round or too red or too Tuesday. Like there's just the requirements are so harsh um, that you can figure it out and trying to find out what what species should we plant there. Like all of this stuff was so confusing, and we actually tried. Um, the Woodland Trust are amazing in so many ways, but we had a really bad experience with them where we just tried to use the Woodland Trust to do it, and they just misfired all the paperwork and didn't spot that it was public access land, and um, and so like that whole project, three thousand trees, just got cancelled because of so many delays in the process of trying to go through this thing. Because it, you know, they're a huge organisation that have much bigger fish to fry than this little thing I was trying to do at the time, but. Um, yeah, that, that whole process basically meant that 3,000 trees did not get planted. And that year, 19% of our of our reforestation goals were done. And they're one of the main ways, along with the government grants, of, of how you approach tree planting if you're a landowner. And so when, when things are getting dropped on the floor and nowhere near enough work is getting done, I was like, screw it, let's give this a try. And um, Ecology, uh, who I've been working with already, and they're based in Bristol as well, so we ended up meeting up. Um, they basically said, if we just give you a couple of quid per tree, do you want to just go and plant a bunch of trees? I was like, yeah. Uh, and they said, well, make a charity. We'll send you a check. And they did. And since then, we've worked together for ages. We've done loads of projects that just oh, so would that's not what, have that's how the charity started. That's because, exactly how it started. Because like, the, the, <laughs> the main answer to this question is like, okay, do the charity. Boom. It's <laughs> yeah, well, that was literally it. Like, it's a really long build up, right? Because you're like, with this random, you know, how, how, how did you get there? What's going on? But yeah, like, just learning how hard it is for this stuff to get done. And everyone, like most of the people that come to us say, we've been trying to work with government grants for so long and it's impossible. Can you help us? And we're like, yeah, just point to which field you want doing and we'll do it. We'll find we'll find the money, we'll find the volunteers, we'll do any paperwork in the background. Sometimes the government comes run, you know, we'll, we'll say, no, you can't do this because dumb reason, dumb reason. And we just spend a huge amount of time arguing with the government and getting them to go, oh no, you're right, it's a good idea. Um, <laughs> Like all these, all these silly things, um, and so we just completely obfuscate the nonsense for the landowners because 
people have a lot of different ideas of who a landowner is and some people assume it's some massively rich person with funny hats and, and tweed and other people think it's a hard-working farmer who's super busy and there's a million different things but um if you're if you're a hard-working busy farmer you don't have time and if you're some you know lofty aristocrat you you don't have the interest in mucking about with this stuff and so whoever whatever and wherever you are on that spectrum um you probably want some help and and that's that's our job hmm. that's a that's a fantastic story phil and you mentioned a few times that uh you know about the misconceptions and you know people kind of thinking like oh you're planting trees everywhere do you getting like a much pushback or like a negative um feedback let's call it uh on what you're doing yeah i think <laughs> every every single step of the way there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about it um if you're talking about tree planting firstly some people just hate the idea of planting trees they think that natural regeneration is always better and anyone who plants trees must clearly have never heard about natural regeneration or they're being bribed by big tree planting and big tubex or something which is just nonsense like any people talk about tree planting and, and woodland creation because it's easy to understand but most people are at most people that do one are doing the other so like we do a lot of natural regeneration we have various projects where we'll plant that bit because nothing will turn up there by itself in the next 40 years and we'll leave and we'll, we'll leave this bit alone because things will it depends on the seed source that's nearby um but people Sometimes it feels like they've read a, an article and, and just kind of gone, haha, I know more than the people that have been doing this for decades. Uh, <laughs> and which How is difficult, huh? <laughs> and I've only been doing this a few years, but I'm surrounded by experts that, that have. Um, and, and so, yeah, like there's the tree planting versus natural regeneration, which are just two different tools in the same wooden creation tool belt. Um, there's if you are tree planting, there's people who are livid that you're using um plastic guards because for the last three years there's been alternatives most of which fundamentally do not work like we've planted card um we've, we've used loads of cardboard guards and within three months the deer have eaten the guard and the tree yeah. which is its only job the whole reason you would put a guard on a tree is to stop deer eating it and now you've well, just wasted money and you've got to replant um we've we've worked with uh various different um kind of biodegradable guards that break down into microplastics, which is not what you want. If you can have one that stays solid for a thousand years, yeah, that sucks, but you can slice those off after a couple of years and you can recycle them. Tubex will now not only recycle their guards, but any other tree guards, they'll take them. Um, and we actually have a project coming up soon where we're helping, we're helping people who have done tree planting in the past remove their guards for them. No money in it for us, no glory. It's going to suck as a job. Um, but we're going to get some volunteers together. We're probably going to just camp and have fun and 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 whatever. I'll bring it. I'll bring some cider, um, and we're just going to get it done because that needs to get done. But I, I think basically, I could I could list off a million different reasons people get contentious about a lot of this stuff. But I think basically, because tree planting can be done badly, people say that tree planting is bad. When obviously, like everything they're saying, I agree with. I agree that bad tree planting is bad, but they don't agree that good tree planting is good which is where they're wrong so if you import trees from abroad you can import diseases you can import fungi in the soil beetles um you know ash dieback was brought in with imported saplings um uh to, to, for reforestation and a lot of most of the diseases and, and beetles and, and oak moths are coming in on 
timber that's being imported as well, right? So that's a whole other thing. More timber here, less timber from there. That would be nice. But so importing tree diseases is a problem, which is why we don't import saplings. Protect Earth don't import saplings. We we not only use native grown saplings, native seeds, but we use local um, local provenance. So the entire country is broken up into little areas with little codes, and we use local suppliers to put money into the local economy of where we're planting and to get like the, the local genes for the type of trees that should be there that will be best adapted. And so people say things like natural regeneration is better because you get the right seed provenance. Well, you could, you could buy the right seed provenance. That's fine. Um, and there's a million things like that. People say um, tree, uh, natural regeneration is better than tree planting because you get a, um, a mosaic of a, a patchwork mosaic of habitats. I'm like, well, you can, you can design those into the woodland scheme that you're planting. Um, you can kind of say, we'd like this area to be uh, an open glade of grasslands and we can actually put some grassy species down there. Um, and, and this area we're going to plant like a bunch of hazel in the middle and then have like a bunch of oaks around the outside. So eventually that will become a hazel glade. Um, and you can, you control the density and, and, and everything else and, and the species. We actually put down color bamboo markers everywhere to, to say which species should go where. So even when we've got volunteers, we are implementing the perfect design of our ecologists woodland um and so i think good tree planting is good and bad tree planting is bad and it, it is, is, you know what strikes me when you're when you're when you're saying these things is like you want to be it's an issue with communication right you want to be clear on your communications and you want to be clear and concise and and go with something like we planting trees we want to you know help climate change and and biodiversity and by necessity, you compress that into that sound bite. And then, like you said, someone goes like, <clears throat> but, and throws all <laughs> those things. Right, right. And then it is very hard. You know, you're, you're, you're talking like about, you know, like seven minutes straight about all the things that you do. And that is very hard to communicate yeah. if you want to have this message, right? If you like, if you go like to your crowdfunder and go like, okay, save the woodland in Blacksworth Road, right? Okay, but if you want to prove that we're gonna save the woodland and we're gonna do da 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 da, da nobody <laughs> even gonna read this. Exactly. So this is this dif difficulty with communicating those those things. I, I, I'm I'm quite glad that you're kind of laid that out to everybody who might have any you know issues with this. Yeah, I mean, again, it's really hard to communicate all of this stuff, and and so like there are so many organizations who. Protect Earth is massively guilty of this. Like our, our Twitter and our Instagram used to be growing the trees. I was like, no, that was you know not my idea. Don't like it. Get rid of that. Protect Earth UK. That's a good handle to have. Uh, but so much of our marketing is about like um, we're planting loads of trees to help fight the climate crisis or whatever. And we're like, but but also we're you know we're looking for opportunities to rewet peat bogs and doing wildflower meadows and doing shelter belts and agroforestry and. There's one guy that wants silver pasture, which is a little bit different, and we're doing a little bit of natural regeneration. And you know, like if I can find a way to help more farms get more bi uh, biodigesters for their methane piles, I'm jumping on that. I might need a bit of finance, but like that doesn't fit in the slogan on your website. <laughs> like, there's so much more to saving the planet than tree planting. And part of me is like, yes, and we're doing most of it. Like, we're doing biochar creation, we're doing getting rid of invasive species, we're doing a lot of this stuff. Um, but then the other part of me is like. You don't just walk into a pizza restaurant and scream like, "Why aren't you a Chinese restaurant?" Like different people do different things, and <laughs> so like if you look at the list of 
uh, climate solutions on Project Drawdown, like their list of all the climate solutions, there's like a hundred and we're doing like seven of them or something. And someone's just like really mad that we're not doing 12. I'm like, you start a charity. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a thing. And you know, like I noticed that also, you know, you have a, like a, like a slogan or even a word and then different people are attaching like a, have a different attachment to this word right so for example like it turns out uh which uh, to my surprise and shock almost that the word nature is a loaded word i was like how come nature is a loaded word like clearly for some you know proportion of demographic when you say nature they have a picture in their head that they don't like and and it's like well how how do you you know so it's it's very hard to navigate that landscape because i don't know whether that's your um view as well or your experience that in general like most of people are on the same page it's just like how they gonna how they approach you how they get to that page is different and there is like a, a lot of unnecessarily you know pushing and pulling on on really the details rather than like is that your experience as well yeah, I mean, there's just a oversimplifications all the way down, and then people yelling that wasn't a dissertation whenever you tweet. Like, it's uh, things like rewilding are really hard because I I'd say that we're in rewilding, but then that's like a massively overloaded term, and overloaded terms are inherently dangerous, right? We've toxic seen toxic right, even. Yeah, toxic for sure. Like we've seen right now, Alan Titchmarsh kind of making this outlandish claim that like, um. He was saying that rewilding's bad because, you know, uh, if you just let your garden go wild, then uh, nothing useful will ever happen. But if you buy loads of um, imported hydrangeas grown in peat um, from this horticultural company that's given me loads of money, then actually that's really good for nature. Um, and and just uh, that wasn't very helpful. But even the fundamental premise of like, um, as a gardening expert who's been gardening for decades on television and probably has a decent bit of money, my my two-acre garden has more different species than this random amateur's garden that he didn't cut in May. And I'm like, well, maybe, but, like, relevance? <laughs> because, like, you're an expert, and that's obviously different, and that's a large garden, and you've spent lots of time on this, and, like, the baseline for most people's gardens is like an old plastic chair they haven't sat on in a few months and a bit of gravel that could have some flowers growing out of it if they didn't spray it all the time. So like oversimplifications are very annoying, but often there's um a lot there's a, like a really bad clickbait cycle as well of just like some journalists love going on about like well they love talking about trees. People are emotive about trees. The reason we talk about trees a lot is because people want to see more trees planted and they don't really care if we re rewet a square of peat bog. And as much as ex you know, people in the know will care about that. You're not gonna you're not gonna have anyone on their website say like buy this t shirt. It is it says buy this t shirt and we'll plant a tree. It doesn't say buy this t shirt and we'll rewet a peat bog because that people are like, ew, gross. Like that there's a certain <laughs> issue. <laughs> right? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of emotive connection with trees and that's hard to break. Um, and we do need to break it. We do need to say, buy this T-shirt and we'll in, we'll install one meter of hedgerow. And we're working on that ourselves. And, and we'll plant one square meter of wildflower meadow. And we're working on that. Um, but there's this oversimplification where where journalists are like, okay, people love trees, so let's go on about trees are amazing. And then and then someone else goes, well, actually, trees are bad sometimes because in the 80s they planted them in peat bogs and it was blah blah blah. The same eight 
things you've heard a hundred times. And um, we assume that nothing has changed since then. 50 years is sure nothing. Um, and so people get into this just hype cycle of like clickbait battles of trees will single-handedly save the world and trees are awful and we shouldn't ever go near them. Um, I call and, them, you know, I call them attention piece. Like someone yeah. just comes out of the woodwork and just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, write something that goes against what everybody else said. And there's always like a bunch of people who goes like, yeah, have you said, you said that? This, right, is like, right. this, is, this is all bad. And <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the whole like, uh, Wales is single-handedly being bought up by men with Patagonia vests and uh, from London and, and turned into one massive woodland, even though only like 500 hectares actually traded hands last year. Um, there's just all this nonsense going around about like tree planters, uh, you know, tree planters versus farmers, uh, versus farmers, especially like Welsh farmers. And that's wild because I hang out in like Welsh pubs all the time and just get chatting to like sheep farmers and they hear that I'm in reforestation. They're like, oh, why would I want to plant trees on my land if, if, if I could graze it instead? I'm like, oh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, you can have, you can have shelter belts that will keep the wind off your sheep and then you're not feeding them as much because they're not shivering as much. And if they're not shivering as much, they're happier, which makes the the animal welfare people happy and like all these different reasons. And within about five minutes, I've got like a, a rural Welsh farmer agreeing that he would like to have a shelter belt on his land. And But that's not what's in the newspaper. That's like, we hate each other um, and we'll punch each other on site. And it, it, it doesn't help anyone. Like if you want to actually see the world improve, stop like making this argument look real. It's this culture war bullshit is not real. Preach. Preach. That's uh, that's that's exactly. You're when you when you start talking with people face to face, especially then you 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 kind of like a uncovered, um, totally different world. Um, listen, a few questions. Uh, like a like a, a quick quick. Uh, we're gonna be wrapping this up slowly, but a, a, f- a few you know things that I like you your opinion on. So, how do you? How do you think the 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 climate action that how that thing gonna play out? You know, it's because you know, like we had that conversation on the podcast before that yeah, this is like a, not a real world, like social media and all these things. But then also, politicians and other views are on this, uh, you know, social media, and that influences their decisions one way or another. So with all the picture that we're seeing. How do you think, like, are we overall moving in the right direction? Or is it like, oh my God, it's just a drop in the ocean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the world in general seems to, as a whole, be starting to move in the right direction from everything that I see from the experts that I listen to. But there are various countries that are really not and it's not the ones people talk about like china nailing it um india nailing it um america thinking about giving it a decent go uh uk actively moving in the wrong direction as fast and as violently as possible um it really feels like this country has been well and truly captured by not just you know big oil puppets but just criminals and it's honestly terrifying. Um, we have structured Protect Earth in such a way that we are not reliant on the government for anything apart from mandatory like environmental impact assessment if we're doing a, a job that's too big. 
Um, and most of the organizations that we interact with are okay if underfunded and therefore overwhelmed as they try to manage the increasing amount of reforestation that's being put through the one spreadsheet they had built in 1995. Yeah, like the tree stuff just scratches the surface of what could be done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I actually did some calculations a little while ago, and you might think it's quite funny, but like, if, if we wanted to carbon offset the entire population of the UK, we would need 108% of the UK to do it. Like the, the the entire land coverage. So like literally every cricket pitch, every house would get knocked down, every every Asda car park, but and the Asda as well. Like every mountain, every lake, every ever everything. One hundred and eight percent. So that I think we'd have to like do Jersey and Guernsey and then like that that would uh, over fifty years and build the artificial platform on the sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. there as well. Exactly. Um fill in all the lakes, um and all the rivers. Um and so uh we massively need to start getting our carbon footprint down. Um, but currently, like any attempts to build uh, a better electric railway that would add more capacity for for rail, you know, local, regional, and freight, um, is being screamed down by green groups because they can't afford to lose a few trees. Because our country has had so much of its nature already destroyed that we're now desperately clinging on to tiny fragments instead of focusing on massively, you know, reforesting and rewilding huge swaths of the country that make that look like nothing. Um, and so things like that, things like the fact that we're, you know, I, I could reel off policies forever. You, you know, everything about it, but we're, we're making planes cheaper. We're making trains more expensive. We're, we're getting rid of buses. We're saying that's fine because cars are amazing. We're pretending we don't have enough money for any of those public services, uh, but then spending billions of pounds, um, every year on, on massive roads that only ever increase emissions. So, so genuinely, if you can think of a single thing that would be useful for the UK government to do, we're doing exactly the opposite and calling everybody who thinks otherwise a silly fool. Um, and it is very frustrating, but I'm going to keep planting my trees. It's an interesting thing you said that the, the China is nailing it. Yeah. Because I, I saw the stats uh, somewhere like the, the, the renewable energy and other things that they're there. They're, and, you know, that's something I said a few years ago, like all those people who are like pointing fingers at China, it's like, oh, why we do anything? Look at China's emissions. Like, dude, China will be like a, you know, net zero or or maybe even better by the time the EU will be still pointing fingers at each other. It's, oh, who's going to cut where and how much and so on there. Yeah. Obviously, that goes with having central government that, you know, doesn't ask questions like, this is what we're doing, this. <laughs> and yeah. so that's a different story but you're 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 said it that um it's good to hear that you have a kind of like an optimistic view on this um i, I the, don't know about that i i, I this is funny. a vibe I, this is a vibe i get it like you yeah. said like globally world is going in the right direction but then you went on the round about the uk which is like 100 <laughs> yeah, percent. i yeah. agree with you because it's like something's broken in that country sure. that's for sure that's rant is correct i love to rant about tories but um i think if you look at climate action tracker um uh, i can't remember the website but climate action tracker if you google that will show you based on a based off of all of the what are they called nationally determined whatever all the all the policies that countries have, have set out it will show you how on track they are for 1.5 um and i think it used to be it used to be morocco and the gambia were marked as on track and everybody else is insufficient very insufficient highly insufficient 
or something even worse that I've forgotten. And <laughs> and all countries are like that have reported are one of those. They're they're all insufficient, highly insufficient, very insufficient, or just knackered. And so what I see is countries moving from the very worst to the next worst. And, and that's yeah, like we're we're not getting anywhere near insufficient, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's almost sufficient, very insufficient, highly insufficient. Um, and so like I see countries moving from, you know, highly insufficient to to very insufficient. Great. We're at one point two. Fantastic. We've got like three years until one point five. We're probably gonna be poking over that before then. So there's there's certain people that are saying, like, wow, we're not gonna hit six degrees anymore. I'm like, okay, well, two is still terrible. 1.2 is already terrible, but 2 is going to be terrible. Um, and so my whole thing is just trying to focus on through not just the tree planting, because that's not going to save the planet, but um, storytelling in as many ways as possible, like what you're doing a lot of the time, um, and, and through various other ways. Just focus on the storytelling, focus on what individuals can do, yes, but how to vote for people that aren't completely useless and actively harmful. And and through through a, a multitude of ways, trying to kind of redirect people's uh, climate energy and education and climate literacy onto what is more useful. So that hopefully either we have politicians that are interested in doing the right thing or politicians that are scared of doing the wrong thing, which they prefer to do, but they know they'll get kicked out. Don't mind which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The goal is do the right thing at some point, please. And some more countries are, are starting to do that. And eventually it will become a keeping up with the Joneses where they're just embarrassed into doing the bare minimum. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? I, I always say like the, you got to have like this critical mass and then things start, start rolling. What would you say to young people who are uh, more and more suffering from eco-anxiety, who are getting, you know, worried and paralyzed to do anything? Any any words of wisdom, any words of advice for, for you know, uh, young people who are ready to throw a towel? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to say just, like, get into politics. Like, we've got too many, we've got too many old misinformed just broken people that just don't seem to care and there's a lot of good politicians out there but there's a lot of just awful ones and um you could replace them they can't be in power forever just make amazing campaigns and do amazing things um yeah just like embarrass them intelligently and professionally on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) just just point out all the flaws in their stupid arguments and do it en masse and just embarrass them um, and and just win, just get them out of power, just just get elected or help other people get elected. But I don't know. Um, the, 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 there's no more like change a light bulb, save the planet. Their grandparents were saying that. Um, it's, it's, it's past that. You, we can't like recycle jam jars to save the world. Um, we need big, huge things. We need protests everywhere. Um, we need like general strikes to be honest, but like think big, join groups. Um, yeah, find, find your climate kind of community and, and, and just think big because these people need to change all the systems need to change. Everything needs to change. Would you consider going to politics yourself? I have been thinking about it, but my campaign would just be like, you're all twats. That would just literally be my slogan. Um, I don't know that I have the temperament for it, but I, I increasingly am considering it. Oh, you know, like this is like this this thing that 
people who want to go in politics to politics that these are the ones who shouldn't yeah and most of <laughs> and most of people who don't want to go nowhere near politics these are the people who should right i yeah. think that is the main problem that is <laughs> the main my problem thing. if it's you like... have a thread of character that like make draws you into the politics it's like no 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 dude like do something else I right feel like, like that's my whole thing like my at the moment my whole thing is like I want to be cycling around the Atlas Mountains in Morocco or just literally anywhere else, but I'm in this country sorting this mess out because you people aren't doing it. <laughs> and that annoys me quite frequently. Um, but I might as well just kind of fully step into that role and be like, right, we're doing this. Let's let's do some politics. Let's do some policies that are sensible. Let's look at any of the other countries nearby in Europe that are making amazing changes that are saving loads of money for for their taxpayers and improving quality of life for everyone let's try doing one of those see how that goes and then if that goes well we could try a few more let's just stop doing literally the dumbest most expensive most polluting most damaging to quality of life thing at every single given opportunity it, it's not helping anyone phil tell us how to find you more about you how to find more about protect the earth uh i'm phil sturgeon on all the socials um and protect earth uk um, is is on most of the socials as well, but protect.earth gets you to our website. We've got information about the crowdfunder, but you can Google Blacksworth Road uh, Woods crowdfunder. Blacksworth's a funny word, but yeah, get get on my socials. The crowdfunder's there. Uh, absolute pleasure to talking with you and uh, folks. Uh, links are in the description of the show. Phil, all the best. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave me five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This is great help for me and for the podcast. And while you're already there, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the description of the show. 